Well, it seems there's a bit of hope in the markets overnight, perhaps because some believe the situation in the Middle East won't escalate. That seems a rather brave call right now. And a lot of confusion over jobs. What does Michelle Bullock think is the magic number when employment won't drive inflation? And what's believable at all in job numbers in the UK? It seems the Bank of England might be flying a little blindfold at the moment. And the big number today, of course, Aussie CPI. We'll look at what is it going to take to keep the RBA rates on hold next month. Plus, two big earnings results today, Alphabet and Microsoft. It's Wednesday, the 25th of October, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, stock markets have thrown caution to the wind. Well, a little bit anyway. We've got a 0.9% rise in the NASDAQ and 0.6% up for the Dow, 0.7% for the S&P, 0.8% for the Russell 2000. And after the close, Microsoft reported 56.5 billion earnings against expectations of 54.5 for Q3. The share price is up over 4% in after hours trade. Uh, Lots of talk about AI being introduced throughout their tech stack. And they're giving lots of money back to shareholders as well. So that always goes down well. A different story for Alphabet, though. Their Q3 earnings of 76.69 billion, better than the 75.97 billion expected earnings per share, 155, better than the 145 expected, Uh, but 8.4 billion for Google Cloud, which is a slight miss on expectations of 8.6 billion. Uh, That was enough to see shares down over 5% on after hours trade. And before the open, General Motors surprised with 44.1 billion in revenue up from 41.9 billion more than expected but their share price is down 1% because they also revealed the cost of the auto workers strike which is costing them about 200 million a week and it's still going on in fact it's getting worse so they are not providing any forward guidance since the share price is down the US dollar is back on the rise today up 0.7% on the DXY, but the Aussie dollar is also on the rise, up 0.3% to almost 63.6 US cents. Uh, The fall has been in the pound and the euro, both down 0.7%. The Swiss franc today down a quarter percent. Bond yields generally down four basis points lower for 10-year treasuries, down six for 10-year gilts in the UK and down five for 10-year bunds in Germany. Australian 10 years uh, fell nine basis points yesterday, down to 4.68%. Up about four basis points on futures since then. And oil down again. Curiously, 2.1% lower for Brent and WTI, both the same. And Bitcoin going crazy today. A 17-month high, up 10% within 24 hours, up to 35,000 US dollars on the hopes that they'll soon be able to trade uh, in Bitcoin ETFs, which means they're just a bit more grown up doesn't it? Uh, it's Nab's Taylor Nugent in Melbourne, who's uh, been pulled out of bed this morning, kicking and screaming to be with us. Uh, so curiously optimistic is how I describe the markets overnight. Aside from Bitcoin, uh, we've got equities up, bond yields are down, oil is getting cheaper. So where is this optimism coming from? Hi, good morning, Phil. Yeah, I think, you know, more more positive for, for equities up a little bit. That's after on track for a, a positive session after five consecutive days of, of down days. You know, in the context of the, the moves that we've seen recently, don't need to, to overplay the optimism here. But yeah, as you say, oil down as we, you know, the continued delays to that kind of um, the ground invasion in in Gaza and and expectations that not going to escalate. That's right. Yeah, there's some of those concerns. You know, the the upside pressure on oil prices was always the risk of some broadening into a, a wider regional conflict. And you know, I think maybe it is just a bit of 
as as those continue to to not be realised so far, um, some of that optimism is is coming back in, and you know, oil prices now only around one percent higher than they were um, just prior to the the October seven um, well, attacks. We won't hang on to this, but let me let me read you the Wall Street Journal today. The headline: Iran in recent days has unleashed the regional militias it's spent years arming, raising the risks of a larger conflict in the region. The FT is reporting Lebanon on the edge over threat from Israeli Hamas conflict. Residents stock up supplies and flee border towns amid rising fears the country's going to be dragged into hostilities. I mean, it's uh, as I said in the introduction, it's a, it's a bold move for anybody who believes that, uh, you know, this isn't going to escalate. But uh, the market's obviously a little bit optimistic. But we'll see anyway. Let's look at, uh, let's look at numbers because uh, we know what they tell us. Uh, and the PMIs, well, it's the same old story, isn't it? The US is a little stronger, more of that divide between the US and Europe. Yeah, that, that's right. The PMIs, that story of, of US outperformance and, and relative performance relative to, to Europe, especially, again, um, supported by that PMI data. European numbers a little bit a little bit weaker than expected and so certainly hopes for um, a bit of a continuation of that tentative rebound in, in some of the services indicators from the, the suite of European PMIs wasn't wasn't quite realized. Um, the services PMI disappointing at the, the Eurozone level and, and dragged down by Germany as well. So, you know, as we know, manufacturing and, and that kind of goods sector has been has been weak and kind of continue to, to be weak in, in these numbers, but but that kind of tentative um, rebound in, in services not looking as strong in the, the preliminary PMIs overnight as well. And so, again, that that relative underperformance of Europe, um, very clear. Um, we saw that also kind of raises raises expectations potentially of a, a negative um, Q4 GDP prints if those kinds of numbers are, are repeated through the through the rest of this quarter in in Europe. Um, and I think, you know, the other parts, the other information in there just says that, you know, the positive news, I guess, is that while activity is is looking pretty weak, some of the pricing pressures in those surveys are continuing to moderate as well. And so that does say that at, at least from from the ECB's perspective, the the slowness or the sluggishness in, in growth that is being seen is translating into a dampening of some of these upstream price pressures. Um, and we see, you know, if we look at output prices picked up in in the PMIs, they're they're now around where they were um, in the in the three years prior to the pandemic, and and well down on their on their recent highs. And so, do suggest kind of you know the potential for continued progress on on disinflation for for the ECB. Um, and you know, as a result, there wasn't much priced um, about nothing priced for for the ECB on on Thursday prior to this data, and nothing in here to. To change those expectations, um, we right, did. But we have see- seen yields yields down quite a bit, and we've seen uh, the euro down quite a bit against the the US dollar. So. Is that is that basically being because of these PMIs? Yeah, I think certainly it's it's consistent with this this story of you know a little bit more weakness in in Europe than, than expected and that continued outperformance. But I think also you know we've got the euro up uh, 0.7, 0.8 percent against the US dollar today. I think that's also got to be viewed in in the context of the price action we saw yesterday as well. And so the uh, the US dollar strength. That we're seeing today is really just kind of, you know, also unwinding some of that that weakness that we saw that we saw on Monday. So, um, you know, certainly the the PMIs are, are consistent with with that story and, and reflect and will be supporting some of that that move. And yet, well. the Richmond Fed, their services index has gone. I know it's just one survey, and what is it? Rodrigo's favorite line: "One swallow doesn't a summer make." 
you know, we're not only a finance podcast, we also track the migration behaviour of bird life, apparently. But uh, the Richmond Fed Services Index has gone from four in September to minus 11. Uh, there's been a fall in revenue and a fall in demand. Local business conditions from minus five to minus 15. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you look at that, if we see that again, that's a sign that maybe the recovery has stalled. Uh, but yeah, but one swallow doesn't a summer make, apparently. Yeah, so yeah, some some mixed signals coming out of those, those regional Fed surveys, as always. But I think, you know, what we're seeing is that while there is the potential for some of that outperformance in, in US services to, to be moderating, the, the preliminary PMI that we got overnight did show services in the US a little stronger than expected, rising to 50.9. And actually, you know, the, the PMI signal had been weaker than the, the more closely watched services ISM and actually kind of moved higher and, and closed some of that gap to the, the stronger services ISM. So, you know, while, you know, we would expect potentially the, that kind of services signal, which is, you know, still much stronger than your ISM to be coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, and the, the regional surveys are, are in line with that. Um, still, still a picture of, um, of expansion in the US service sector. Now, UK employment numbers. Gosh, what a mess this is. Uh, nobody seems to believe them, including the Office of National Statistics, who actually put them together because they've not been able to get enough responses for it to be meaningful. They've never actually got, got the, a recovery in the number of responses since the pandemic. So instead, they are deriving numbers from tax records and benefits claims. So that's shown that the unemployment rate is at 4.3% for the three months to August from 4% in the previous quarter. But we've been there's a change in methodology. So all in all, um, you know, it's a bit of a muddle, isn't it? And the Bank of England have got to try and uh, presumably they'll be on hold while they try and figure this out because, you know, they, what is actually going on? They'll, they are, to an extent, when it comes to jobs numbers, flying a bit blindfold. Yeah, really, really challenging for, for the BOE in, in that environment. I think, you know, it's hard to, to be rewriting any um um, any assessments of, of the UK labour market on the back of this data, as, as you say, kind of the ONS is calling it a, an experimental series and, and derived from a, a different method. And because it's coming from from tax receipts and other things, it doesn't have the kind of granular breakdown that you get from the the survey, which they would ordinarily derive the the results from. But I think you know broadly, you mentioned there unemployment four point two up from four point zero percent on that that three month average measure. Um, while there are a lot of question marks over, over that number, you know, before this, we we had a, you know, we could see that the US labor market was was weakening, and I don't think it, it changes that assessment. So at least it's, you know, potentially one good thing about it is that the, the core signal from this new experimental series is kind of broadly in line with some softening in the in the UK labor market, um, but it's going to be challenging for for policymakers trying to get a, a you know a timely signal on on that evolution um, until the the ONS gets the the new methodology up and running which is not expected until the first half of 2024 so it could mm. be quite a number of months of, of uncertainty on the UK labor market <laughs> not good timing is it uh, and uh, also uh, confusion over the jobs markets perhaps uh, Michelle Bullock uh, yesterday the Reserve Bank governor uh, talking about how she is keen to separate out any employment target to focus on inflation, which sort of sounds fair enough, but we have to have the answer to that fundamental question, don't we, about what is full employment. Uh, Michelle Bullock seems to be saying that that's got nothing to do with fighting inflation, but presumably, you know, if we believe in Nauru, this magical number at which uh, we start to see employment creating inflation, we, we want to get down to that. We want to have a pretty good idea of where that is, and that obviously keeps moving all the time. So what was she saying? 
Yeah, so Governor Bullock speaking speaking last night, her first speech as, as governor. We heard from her in a, a fireside chat, but this was the, the first speech that she's she's given as as governor. And really it was not too much new in the in the substance of the speech, I think. It was largely kind of a, a survey of the framework that, that the RBA takes to to monetary policy and and that point there, kind of emphasizing the the complementarities in the in the dual mandate that the RBA has going forward and and that's you know this is not not new from central bank communication generally, but interestingly that it, it was emphasised by by um by Bullock that you know low and stable inflation is a is a precondition to sustaining um full employment, and so you know rather than focusing on on the trade offs over the short term, if you've got supply driven inflation of you know there, there's a, a a trade-off between getting inflation down faster and, and seeing a, a more material deterioration in, in the unemployment rate, looking at those kind of medium-term complementarities and, and seeing the achievement of the price stability objective as a prerequisite effectively to, to sustaining full employment. I think, you know, what, what, what we shouldn't take away from that speech is that the RBA is kind of not focused on the evolution of, of the labour market if they're not kind of explicitly targeting a, a numeric um, unemployment rate. Um, and I think, you know, the answer to where the NARO is will be kind of, it's always uncertain assessments um, in, in real time. And the answer to that will be given by whether or not it is consistent with, with inflation coming down and remaining at target and, and the outlook for inflation to, to stay at target. And so I think, you know, in terms of the outlook from here, we get updated forecasts from the RBA in November, but certainly nothing in that speech to, to suggest that the RBA has changed their assessment for an unemployment rate, you know, in the in the low fours as being probably more consistent with, with sustained at target inflation than where we are at the moment. All right. As long as we've got a target, so long as we know what we're doing, that's the important thing. Uh, so the big number today, Australian CPI, what is it going to be? And is it going to be the sort of number which is going to uh, make the RBA lift interest rates in a couple of weeks' time? What's it going to take? Yeah, so CPI, a, a big one today. Bullock didn't um, talk too much about it. She was asked in the Q&A um, what, what the threshold would, would be, what she would need to see in, in that number to move in November. Unsurprisingly, was was not drawn on, on that. Um, but it was interesting in, in the speech. Well, the substance of the speech didn't have much news. She did say right up front that the board will would not hesitate to uh, increase rates further if there was a material upside surprise to the inflation outlook. And so, you know, they are alive to to the risks on, on inflation. Um, and as NAB's view has been for a while, that inflation wouldn't show as much progress as the RBA had hoped through through the third quarter. Um, and we expect that to be to be evident in in the in the data today, um, our expectation is for trim mean at, at 1.1% quarter on quarter. Consensus is for 1.0, and and kind of analysts are clustered around 1.0, 1.1. Importantly, that's a bit higher than the RBA had in August. They they penciled in a 0.9% back in August, and so we think that would confirm a, a less helpful inflation backdrop than the RBA hoped for, and see a bit of an upward revision to their their near term forecasts. And if we get a number like we're, we're forecasting, we do think that means that the RBA will will hike rates in November. Um, and you know, given what we've heard recently from Bullock last night, from from the minutes, and and from uh, from um, other commentary from from the RBA recently, you know, they 
they are that tightening bias is is there um and if the data today does deliver on that on that upside surprise we expect it, it will then then you know i don't think they then we think that they will hike in november they, they've been trying to signal it haven't they absolutely in the language so german ifo today new home sales in the u.s are expected uh to lift a little probably because nobody's selling the old houses so you've got to buy a new one and the bank of canada their interest rate expected to stick at five percent That'll do for now. Good to talk. We'll get you on again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. And that's how things are this Wednesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.